And definitely, I do feel like Monomania is the product of that work, that effort, that, um, you know, personal depth that we hadn't really been able to bring out of ourselves before. And that's all kind of came together at the perfect time. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at itsalldead.com. Recording this on a Friday, February 28th. Uh, got a really exciting show today as we are joined by Telly Smith of The Word Alive. They just put out a new album called Monomania last week, and uh, I'm a fan of this band. Um, I, I still remember seeing them on... Warp Tour for the first time was a huge fan of their debut album Deceiver when it dropped. Um, followed the band uh, throughout their career. They they just passed the ten year mark last year. They had a tenth uh, anniversary tour for that debut album Deceiver. Um, and this is a band that has had a really fascinating trajectory, just in terms of the music they've created um, and the the way that they've evolved sonically. It's it's been fascinating to watch, and I feel like. This latest album, if you haven't had a chance to to listen to it, you got to go check it out. I think it might be their best album. And what I immediately thought when I heard it is that this is the sound that the band has been moving towards and trying to capture for at least the past three albums or so. I, I just the the moment I I heard this album, I was like, this is it. This is what I knew uh, this band uh, was capable of of capturing and. We talk about that uh, with Telly, along with a number of other things. Obviously, being uh, over 10 years in at this point, what does it look like to to be making music, writing music, going on tour? What is it like to build a set list when you've got six albums under your belt? And what does it mean for this band to continue to evolve and continue to not only be in the moment, but create music that's going to uh, stand the test of time and uh, be a band that's going to continue to be relevant for years from now? It's uh, We had a really, really great conversation. The band uh, is on tour with Falling in Reverse right now. They've got some dates coming up later this summer as well. Uh, but Telly was nice enough to take some time out of their uh, recent tour stop in Seattle to chat with us. So let's go ahead and jump in. This is Telly from The Word Alive. Kelly, thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, no problem. And uh, I, how's the tour been going so far? I think I saw, I don't know if it was yesterday or a few days ago, it looks like you guys have been battling some snow on the road. You've had some weather going on. How's it out there on the road? Well, today we're in Seattle, Washington, and uh, it's actually really beautiful out, uh, especially for this time of year. Um, but yeah, we did. Uh, there was... Uh, originally a canceled show in Colorado Springs, but luckily us and Escape the Fate made it through the storm. So then we rebooked a show that same day and uh, made it happen. So, um, yeah, hit hit a little bit of bad weather, but it's uh, nothing too crazy for what we've experienced, obviously, touring the last decade. And yeah. every show on the whole tour is sold out, um, ex- well, except for Vancouver, but it's getting close. So hoping that the whole tour will be sold out when it's all said and done just having a good time yeah that's awesome to hear and uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the tour and of course the new album that just dropped uh, but as you mentioned uh you know over 10 years now of, of the word alive you guys had a uh anniversary did some anniversary shows for uh your debut album deceiver last year 
you know, with a new album out and as you guys look back and and you specifically, as you look back on, you know, over a decade of of being in this band, like what, what sticks out to you at this point uh, when you think about doing this for a decade now? Um, I mean, there's just been a lot of perseverance, a lot of passion that it takes, uh, some good luck. And I think, you know, in spite of anything you may see, you know, today, I think we kind of live in a world where social media has really accented the negative side of just anything. But um, I think it's a testament to how many fans, like, you know, love our band and support us, come see us at shows, um, you know, streaming our songs, buying our music, um, all the things that it takes for a band to be a band and tour the world and, um you know, we've been able to make it through so many random hardships that, you know, all bands encounter. But to do it for 10 years and counting, I think it's, it's rarer and rarer. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, when I think about it, I just feel really fortunate. And I feel like that everything that we've worked for um, is, you know, it means something to people. And, and so it means a lot to me to have that kind of, appreciation and respect shown back to us yeah no kidding when you look back what's changed the most for you as a songwriter and a performer over this span of time um i mean the performance aspect has just been you know we were figuring it out especially me as a vocalist early on um you know for those who are unfamiliar with our band like i learned how to scream to join the word alive yeah and so the first, you know, few years were really a battle and really trying to figure out how to do that. And um, and then once I got my footing, then it was getting comfortable, you know, doing things that were out of my element and, you know, uh, original, you know, influence um, even. And then it just became about finding, you know, my voice and then us finding our sound and then replicating that live to the best of our abilities and trying to put on you know, not just a good show, but more than just trying to play the albums, you know, in the way that they sound, but, you know, sharing our message and, you know, trying to touch people in a way that reaches deeper than just like, oh, you know, like that band's a good live band. Like, yeah, uh, I always, I always wanted to be a band and, and I've become a front man that I feel it's important to share, you know, real life, you know, stories and aspects and, um, things with people that are, you know, being exposed to your music because a lot of times, you know, with the way things are now, it's like, I think there's so much music that people don't stop and think about what the songs are about or, you know, what the band stands for as much. They're just Mm. like, oh, this sounds cool. Oh, this sounds cool. Sure. And, you know, my my biggest thing is like when we play, I want to, you know, stop, slow down and remind people, you know, that, they're at a show that this is live and perfect and that's what's amazing about it and that there's just an, uh, an energy that you replicate live or that you exude live that you can't replicate on record fully and so that's just been our goal um, when it comes to the performance side and then as far as songwriting goes I think just understanding who we are what our strengths are what what it is that we do that feels like it's rewarding for us and um, and also, you know, trying to push ourselves to create a sound that 
stand out from, you know, our peers. And mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, we want to be a band that is recognized in the same way that we recognize our favorite bands and, and biggest influences. So hopefully we can leave that mark uh, in the music world. And we're, you know, we're 10 years in, so we're, we're still giving it our best shot. Yeah, and six albums under your belt at this point, which is incredible. We we just had uh, Shane Told of Silverstein on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, and they're hitting their 20-year mark this year. And one of the things he was talking about is like thinking about what success meant for him in those early days of the band versus how he thinks about it now. And I'm wondering for you, like, how do you think about that? Like having a new album just come out when you think about like, this is what success means for me and looks like for me at this point in my career. What does that look like for you? You know, I th- I think it, it means a lot of different things, and it just kind of is is a like a tree. There's you know this branch that is you know okay, we are successful because we've literally done this for over ten years and we've been able to. So that's yeah. a form of of success in its own right. Um, you know, creating six records that are meaningful to us and you know millions of people around the world. That's success. Um, that I haven't worked a, a quote unquote regular job since 2007 is success to me. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily view it as we have to be the headliner on gigantic sold out shows making a ton of money to be quote unquote successful. Um, obviously, like if that were to ever happen, it's, you know, that would be a huge blessing to our band and we would hopefully you know use that platform to to give back and and share in the best way and most meaningful way possible but for us it's we've we've seen so much success and we've rid ridden the waves so to speak of the music industry or rode the waves sorry and um it's just shown us that you know our passion and perseverance and the way that we decide to share the emotional range of our band and our stories, it touches people. And that's Mm -hmm. something that feels like it's only growing stronger. So to me, as long as it feels like it's, you know, growing and connecting with fans, I feel like it's successful. And um, obviously you want to do it at the highest level possible. Uh, We are, you know, not kids anymore. You were, Several of us are, you know, in relationships, wanting to, you know, do things like get married, have kids, you know, have a home to come home to. So obviously those things, you know, take uh, a financial, you know, um, aspect that is tied in with success. So there, there is that. Um, but as long as I can, you know, live comfortably and and do what I love most, like that is so much more success than I ever dreamed that, you know, we would have when we first started. So I, yeah. I'm thankful for it all. That's awesome. And, you know, as, as we mentioned, being back out on the road now with, uh, you know, a new album under your belt and, and talking about connecting with fans, what's the response been like so far getting to, you know, play these new songs live? I mean, so far, like just the album's been out a week since uh, a week ago today. And already just the energy, the reaction, you can see it on social media, just the stories people are sharing. It's so much deeper than just, oh, this is a cool album. It's like people talking about their own lives in a way that they maybe never have before. Mm. Um, you know, several people writing and saying, you just said everything that I've been trying to figure out the, wor- 
the words to say and you just said it in this song or on this album. And so for me, playing this album already has been so amazing and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it growing and, um, you know, people really connecting with it and then coming to see us live, then I think that's like the ultimate um, connection. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in that because, you know, obviously you spend all these time with these songs yourself, writing them, recording them, creating them, and then you're actually able to go out and share it with everybody. What what changes for you about a song once you actually get on stage and play it for people and see their reaction? Does, like, the song itself actually change in terms of what it means to you specifically or how you think about it? I mean, it definitely can. Um, anytime you have a song that overly reacts with the crowd, you're kind of taken back by it. Uh, one, it's very, very special, and it's like it's unlike any feeling um, other than it. And, you know, for me, the first time when a song really goes off and everyone's singing and everyone's jumping and, you know, you see all those smiles out in the crowd, people crowd surfing, moshing, all those things that, you know, happen in the show, when it just happens super organically and you can just tell that, everyone in the room has been thinking about that song, uh, you know, the night, and you know, days, weeks leading up to the show, that moment when it all connects and hits is, is truly a, an amazing feeling. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think is so compelling about this band is that um, you've really had a fascinating sonic trajectory over the past 10 years. And when I, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but when I, when I heard this album, I felt like if we look back at maybe like Dark Matter as a, as a turning point for you guys, if I think about the past mm -hmm. few albums, when I heard this, I was like, this is it. This is what I felt like this band was capable of doing. This is the direction I feel like they've been moving and they, they, they captured exactly what I felt like the Word Alive could really sound like in the music that you guys were, and not to take anything away from the past couple albums, but is that something that yeah. you felt going into this? I mean, that's, you hit the nail on the head. That is literally exactly what we all feel um, when it comes to this album. And I, I think it's very fair to say that with Dark Matter was the first real shift. Um, I mean, even when you go to the earlier material, there were elements that, you know, are still very prominent in what we do today. But I think, you know, I would say Empire was like the naive, like we were in a room and just stuff came out and we're like, well, this is pretty cool. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Deceiver was like, let's just make the heaviest like things. Let's try to show off almost in a way. And it was kind of like through ego that we made that record almost, <laughs> but like we hadn't really earned that yet. Um, and then with Life Cycles and Real, it was a really hard time for our band because we were going through so many different changes, both musically, personnel-wise, um, the mindset of the band. Everyone had their own perception of what worked, what we wanted to do, where we wanted to go, and why. And the vision of the band was just very disjointed at that time. And so once we got through the Real album cycle and we were working on what would become Dark Matter... We, you know, for the first time at that point in our career, had a, a really long talk about what we wanted to do, why, what kind of band we want to be, mm. um, the music we want to make, 
And we, it was the first time we really looked internally and, and talked about what each other want from being in the Word Alive and what kind of message we want to send to the fans, to the world. And, you know, so that shift just became a, a, a pretty big one, to, I think, to some fans. But yeah. in others, you know, they saw it coming with, you know, some of the songs from Life Cycles and, and Real it just was like there was actionable measures taken so that dark matter was so sonically different. Right. And then with violent noise, it was, we knew we wanted to push even further and go outside of the spectrum of what we had done before. But we honestly spent probably the least amount of time writing, um, out of any of our albums on that one. And, um, you know, we had some great moments and we've had some amazing success with, you know, like, why am I like, this is our biggest song now. Yeah. Um, but, but we still knew there was work to be done and, you know, with the record, you know, a lot of people don't know, it got pushed back four months and our whole touring cycle was kind of messed up and we just had, you know, a lot of just bad luck instances so the fact that that record even did half as well as it has is really also a testament to our fans and them you know sticking with us and supporting us even at a time where i feel like we were you know kind of struggling um yeah you know for various reasons some of it was personal some of it was on business side um you know things that happened with just sheer luck of um album releases and, and all that stuff that you know it just kind of shit happens is like a, yeah. a way of putting it away but you know unfortunately at the same time when you when you look at that and you're like ah oh, shit happens uh, you know it's basically almost a two-year like gap where you're just trying to make it work so we were fortunate enough to be on some great tours have some great success with some songs on the album and then other songs from you know previous times like misery trapped like they had just grown significantly to become kind of staples for our band. So we really had like a nice core of the band that we really had something special to build off of. We felt for the first time in our career that was like, okay, we're coming off. Um, you know, we have the same lineup for the first time, you yeah. know, back to back. We, we have, um, you know, a lot more personal depth. There's a lot of, things that were going on you know within the background of the band that we got sorted out um and we took the most amount of time writing this record so i think everything is a lot more intentional um with this record i think we knew what we did best with violent noise and dark matter and we wanted to take things further while encapsulating kind of what you you know i mentioned of like we had started but there was work to be done still and that definitely I do feel like Monomania is the product of that work, that effort, that, um, you know, personal depth that we hadn't really been able to bring out of ourselves before. And that's all kind of came together at the perfect time. Yeah, that's that's really cool to hear. And, you know, on top of the album being just, I feel like, really sonically cohesive, um, thematically it's really interesting as well. And you've talked a few times about how important connection is, uh, with fans and how important it is for you to create something that means something. I feel like lyrically on this album, not only is it 
the specificity is is there more than I feel like it has been on other albums where like you're just really saying what exactly what you mean to say and it's personal but it also feels like you're saying it in such a way that it's communal as well and that these songs you hear them and you feel like you're a part of that conversation is that something that was in, intentional for you during the writing process you know I think um you know for me with sharing you know pieces of myself I just had to go a lot deeper and be very honest with myself and then figure out a way to share that um, through our songs that made sense and, you know, felt very organic. So for, for me, you know, I wanted to tackle writing, you know, the lyrics to this album and in a, in a way that just felt very true to myself. And I feel like the way that my voice sounds on this record is a product of one, obviously working with a great producer who happens to also be one of my best friends and Eric Ron. Yeah. So he knew a lot of the stories. I could talk to him and explain to him certain things, or he might even know some of the people involved or stories. So he could like help me get to a place that really like brought the, the message of the song to life. But I also didn't have any concern or worry of trying to fit what we had done or try to put my voice in a box. Mm. And I feel like that's what I had kind of done um, for the majority of our career. Uh, you know, when we were starting out, um, like I said, I just learned how to scream. And I think I was trying to replicate, you know, what other people were doing to a certain extent. And, you know, we were doing things that, like, you know, all of our peers were doing as far as, like, layering goes and it's just like here's two layers of super low screaming then two more layers of this and then two more layers of this and it's like yeah. before you know it when you're back to those records and a lot of the records in that time frame no one actually sounds like that so right. you know, what, I, what i really wanted to do with this was i want my voice to sound the way that it truly does sound i don't want to like clean it up and i don't want to make it um you know, something that it's not because I want you to feel what I'm feeling when I'm singing and screaming. And so that's what, you know, I set out to do. And I wanted to tell specific stories. I knew that certain songs made me feel certain things or certain um, memories would come to life when I, you know, we started writing a song and there was a particular mood happening that I was like, I know exactly what this song needs to say. And I just felt way more connected with the music. I felt like it was very clear what to say and how to say it. Whereas yeah. I think I've overthought things a lot in the past and been like, oh, is this catchy enough? Is this poetic enough? Am I using too many words or am I using not enough? Yeah. And I think this time around, I just really just did what came naturally and felt right. So what's funny is I'd say the majority of this record um, I wrote every, like every vocal melody or lyric that I wrote for the most part came together a lot faster than any other record we've done hmm. because I didn't have to overthink. I was like, yeah. this is how I feel. This is what I want to say. And this is the melody that I think, um, encapsulates that emotion and story. And Eric was right there with me to, you know, like push myself and, um, if the guys were like, eh, I'm not feeling this part or this word or this sentence or this melody, I think could be stronger. Then, you know, all I was going to do was just top what I already 
did. Yeah. And I, I feel like having that like natural push from the guys and Eric just took me to a level that I hadn't been able to get because where we were starting from was already such a higher level of quality melodies and lyrics that I feel it was a lot easier for the, the guys and Eric to give input because they could tell what I was trying to do and what, what my goal with each moment was. So it was very easy to, um, you know, kind of take advice and not feel, you know, offended by it, but rather be like, okay, well, if it, I know that whatever we end up with, it's going to be better than this. And if I'm already happy with this, that means that it's just going to be something special. So Mm -hmm. I was, I was really driven and really pushed on this record simultaneously. And and I, I'm very happy with how everything sounds. It's, It's the first time where I love my voice for an entire record, not just like specific songs. Wow. That's yeah. That's great to hear. And I, you know, it's, it's really obvious too. I, you know, you talked about some of the sort of layered vocal stylings of the early albums, and that was certainly a, a thing at at its time, and it sounds cool. But I, I remember listening to the, you know, the title track um, from this album the first time, and kind of hearing that bridge hit, and my ears perked up of like, oh, this is this sounds like what his scream would really sound like. <laughs> like this is like a yeah. this feels like really raw, really honest. Um, yeah, and it's, uh, it, it really works in this context, which is, it's, it's just been super fun to hear. As you think about going forward, uh, w- with touring, you know, six albums now, a, a really wide variety of, of different offerings at this point. How do you think about creating a set list? Like, what does that look like for you and what goes into that process? Um, you know, it's a combination of things. I think, um, I was ju- I actually just wrote Tillian from Dance Come and Dance the other day. Uh, he had tweeted something about they've played like 60 something songs total, like 60 different songs total in their career yeah. um, since he joined the band. And I was like, that sounds like a lot. I'm like, but then I was like, I wonder how many we've played, like different songs we've played. And we played 58, I believe <laughs> it was. And so I'm like, okay. So then I'm like, I can look back, I can see the songs that have had the best crowd reaction and you can tell why they've had the best crowd reaction. But then also we really, really rely on, you know, Spotify, streaming, YouTube, Apple music, uh, single sales. Like if a million people are listening to this one song and only a hundred thousand people are listening to this one song, we're going to play the song that has a million. And so you know, when we go through, um, you know, I look at our like Spotify for artists, like the back end of Spotify, and I can go and I can look what people are listening to what songs and what markets. Um, you know, like for instance, we can look at all time streams, and you know, you have our top 10, which is Misery, Trapped, Why Am I Like This, Heartless, Lighthouse, Life Cycles, Red Clouds, Overdose, and you know, then it kind of, you know, all plugs together randomly but you can also see like the markets you can see what cities and states are listening to what music you can look at demographics of age and you know you can see you know like our top cities for instance and i just pulled up just so i could actually say what it is Uh, so it's like top cities the last 28 days so these are people who are right now 
listening to the word live repeatedly. And it's number one is Chicago, two is Dallas, three is Atlanta, Georgia, four is LA, five is Houston, six is New York City. Then you go internationally and you have seven and eight are Sydney and Brisbane and Australia mm. and nine and ten are Cleveland, Seattle. And then it starts going Melbourne, Australia, Jakarta, Indonesia, Montreal, Canada, Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, Toronto, Canada, Helsinki, Finland. Like, yeah. So we're like, okay, we need to look at these markets, see what songs that they are loving, and then try to give them the best set that we can. So we can use data in a way that we didn't when we were younger, and we were just guessing. We're like, well, let's right. try this song. Let's try this one. Now we can actually play songs we know that people are listening to the most. And, you know, on support tours, we kind of just try to pick the, you know, six to nine best songs that have the most crowd response and people listening to them. On headliners, we'll do a mix. Like, we'll play, like, you know, obviously, like, um, not every song from five plus years ago is going to be in, like, our top ten right now or even right. our top 15. But it doesn't mean that those fans aren't, you know, there and they're going to come out to every single headliner and, you know, they want to hear life cycles. They want to hear some of their favorite songs sure. off of, you know, older albums. So we try to mix in, um, you know, a combination of what is happening right now with also what our like longtime fans have grown to love from us. Yeah. That's, that's super yeah. fascinating to think about the data aspect of this and that it's no longer, based on just anecdotal evidence, like you actually have hard data to tell you exactly how to construct these sorts of things. That's, that's super fascinating. Um, you've got this yeah. tour that you're wrapping up now with uh, falling in reverse. Uh, I believe you got some shows lined up for the summer. What, what does the rest of the year hold for you guys? Yeah, we have a, we're direct support to star set uh, in, in the summer on select dates, they're doing kind of a world tour. So if you look at their ad map, it might be a little more confusing as to which shows the Word Alive are on. But, sure. you know, whoever's listening to this, always, you know, we are the wordalive.com is your best friend for us. And, and any band's website is going to be the best place in general to find out what yeah. shows they're playing. But we have that. We have another tour um, that'll be announced not too long from now. Um, we just announced actually today we're playing um, Emo Night LA um, a week a week from today, March sixth, okay. and uh, which is going to be really fun. And uh, just doing that, celebrating the new album, and um, hanging out with a bunch of friends. Our label Fearless is all coming, so it'll be a, a lot of fun. And then we have some international stuff that is in the works right now in Europe and. Um, you know, obviously there's some aspects of things like coronavirus uh, that yeah. we have. Um, we had some Southeast Asia stuff, you know, in the works, and we're just kind of on standby with, right. with that. So, but yeah, we, I mean, we have a full year of touring and, and already talking into next year for, for touring. So we'll be busy, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'll wrap up with one last thing. Um, you know, as the uh, the lead up to the album was happening and the the press releases were hitting, there was a lot of quotes by you talking about like setting the stage for the future and thinking ahead. And I I'm interested in that. You know, obviously, like the album is out and this is now and it's happening now. But how do you think about the next ten years of the Word Alive and how do you think about the legacy of of your work as, as you look ahead? 
Well, I mean, that's a great question. I definitely love that you're asking it. Um, so a, a big part of the process of making Monomania was, you know, we would sit there and we're like, yeah, this was cool, you know, but what is going to be like the 2020 vibe? Like what is going to be impactful in the future? And what kind of music and songs are we trying to play for, you know, potentially the next 10 years, like we've done with this, um, you know, set of songs. And so for us, we felt like we really needed to connect with the truest form of our band and mm. what we all really love making and playing, you know, because as it happens with certain bands and especially, you know, a lot of bands when they start out and they're young, most of us were teenagers when the word life started. Sure. Um, actually everyone was, but me, um, it's, it's hard to, you're not thinking 10 years ahead. You're not even yeah. thinking two months ahead. Um, so like for us, you know, if we would have been able to hindsight think about those things, we probably would have made much different records. And I'm sure for the fans that love those songs, thankfully we made the ones that we did. And I think that's a part of our story, of course. But yeah. now we were, you know, being a band over 10 years, we plan on being a, a band 10 years from now. And so we do have a lot different perspective of like writing, um, the way we tour, everything. And, so for us, I think it is like thinking big picture, thinking ahead. How can we, you know, try to push the genre forward um, with the mindset that, you know, genres don't necessarily matter anymore, which is kind of mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we live in a time where there's no rules. Um, and a lot of people have been stuck being like, well, you have to have this in your song. You have to <laughs> do this. And if you play it if you're a band that has screaming, then it, it needs to happen in every song. And right. if your guitarists are really crazy guitar players, they have to be shredding at all times. And, you know, our band has all of that, but we know that that just isn't the case. You know, everything has its moment to shine and different songs basically just fit different moods because we all listen to different music depending on our mood as well. You know, if we're, sad we're going to listen to a different song than when we're working out or when we're driving mm -hmm. or you know when we have friends over it's like it's always different so we wanted our album to be a combination of very cohesive and but like there's something for everyone and every type of mood and so i think we accomplished that with monomania and our goal is probably just going to be to expand upon that you know in in the future Excellent. Well, the album was fantastic. Uh, excited to see you guys back on the road. Um, Telly, thank you for taking time to join us and just having this conversation today. Yeah, of course. I appreciate it. Another big thank you to Telly from The Word Alive. Again, if you have not had the chance to check out the new album, Monomania, uh, check it out wherever you get your music, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, the music store. <laughs> Go uh, check out the new album and, of course, follow the band on social media. If you like this podcast, well, thank you for liking it and thank you for listening. Uh, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you uh, like to consume your podcast content. That's going to do it for now. I'm Kyle Hawk. You've been listening to It's All Dead and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. 
then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more. 